we are so glad that you have uh, invited us in, and uh, Lord willing, this whole COVID-19 pandemic thing is over, and we're all back together in, in our services, and I'm really excited for all of you to see the new building and the expansion that we had, and it's just going to be a good time. And you, you all were able to get a little sneak peek already, seeing it, and uh, side note, if you signed up for a life group, you're going to be able to see it too. All right, so that's awesome because you're meeting on site. So uh, just to warn you, uh, this is your last week to sign up for a group because we're launching a five-week series studying the book of Ephesians together in all of our life groups. So this is your last chance. There's already groups filled up and filling up because we're only allowing 10 per group. So hurry up, get signed up. But we're in our part two of our summer teaching series titled SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics. And last week I kind of gave us like just a foundation to launch us into this thing. And this week we're going to take a little diver, a deeper dive into some of the weapons that uh, Paul writes about. But I don't know, again, for you, maybe you think, all right, Ryan, tone it down a little bit. Spiritual warfare, is this thing really weird, like real? Is it weird? Like what's going on? Maybe crank it down a little bit. I think for others of us, it may be like, I need to crank it up. Because I think you need to be aware of it. Some of us aren't even, don't even understand that there's a spiritual realm and you've got a, a target on your back as a follower of Jesus. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, which has the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 says this, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather, what's this one word, friends? Expose them. Expose them. And that's what I think this series is all about, is we want to expose some of the devil's schemes and the evil things in darkness and help us understand and expose it and bring to light so we're better equipped to face spiritual battles. And you need to know this, that the devil is real. The devil is real. He's out to get you, plain and simple. Him and his, what we call him and his demons, are out to attack you. In fact, Paul writes about it to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He says, for Satan himself, watch this, Satan himself, he masquerades as an angel of light. So in other words, he's pretty tricky. Well, I don't think he's real. Well, maybe perhaps because he's tricked you already and he's masqueraded as an angel of light, you don't think there's actually this darkness, this evilness, this devil that exists in the world. But you have to know this, the, devil, the devil's not after your recognition. He doesn't care if you think he is real or not. He's after your destruction. And that's what we want to bring to light in this series, in this SWAT series, is understand that moment, that realization that the devil's real and he's after our destruction. So last week, we kicked it off, and it's all found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 18. We're going to be there again. We're going to be there in the next week, and the next week, and the next week. So open your Bibles, open your tablets, turn to Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 6. And while you're turning there, uh, this is pretty cool. This is a letter to the church in Ephesus. This is where we get the word Ephesians. And um, this was actually a pretty mature church, we think. Uh, any guess as to who, from those that are on stage, any guess who the pastor was? Here? Oh, yeah. I put a bunch of pastors on the spot right now. Who is it? Timothy. So Paul started this church. He did three, about two and a half, three years of leadership elder training to understand the church and how to grow and how to be mature in your faith. And then he leaves it to a little guy called Timothy, which was his protege. Timothy, we've got letters, first and second. Timothy, Timothy is the pastor at this church. Again, Paul spends about three years there building this church up. On top of that, did you know 
that who moved their ministry from Jerusalem to Ephesus? The disciple John. Historians tell us John moved his entire ministry from Jerusalem to Ephesus. And do you know who he took with him? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ended up moving, historians tell us, from Jerusalem with John to this church. This is a, a mature church. This, this is a church that you would almost look like and that you said they've got spiritual fruit and spiritual healthiness perhaps, but Paul's writing literally to a healthy church, literally saying, hey, wake up, Christians, there's a spiritual battle. And here it is. We looked at it this week, we'll look, or last week, we'll look at it again. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And then all of a sudden, Paul's going to give a list of the armor that you're to put on. But I want to stop and say this to all of you. The devil is at war with us. And last week we unpacked this a little bit, but I, needed, I felt like I needed to bring it up again in case you missed week one. But the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. It's a place where we have a target on our back. The devil is real, he's at war with us, there are spiritual things happening that we are blind to that we don't see. And as Paul writes, our struggle, last week we learned it's a wrestle, it's a wrestling match, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. But there's something behind it. It's the spiritual realm that we're blind to. We just, we, we just don't, we're not able to see it. And last week I said this too, before we jump into the rest of the armor, that Satan is God's enemy and not his equal. Because all authority and power lie within Jesus Christ. And I think it's funny sometimes. Don't you think sometimes when you, you pray, maybe, or maybe it's just me, and that's all right. Um, like, you feel like you got to get it loud sometimes, right? Like, in the name of Jesus, this has got to happen, right? You get a little loud, right? Who does that? Anyone over here? Oh, no, <laughs> we got one. Anyone over here? Actually, like, you get loud in your prayer, kind of, all right? Well, um, so I started thinking about superheroes. You know, some of the most powerful superheroes are super quiet. I am Batman, right? Super quiet. He doesn't ever have to yell. Like a lot of our superheroes are quiet. I think what we can do is we can just come up and say, in the name of Jesus and all power and authority under heaven, and say it that way. I don't think necessarily we've got to get loud. I like getting loud, but sometimes I think getting loud, maybe God hears me more. I don't know, but um, I think it's there. But listen, Satan is God's enemy, but it's not his equal. Satan has limited power. He does have some. It's limited. He has no authority. It's Jesus, it's God's authority. And you have authority as a follower of Jesus with the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the authority. Satan does not have authority in this world, but he has limited power. And so now Paul's gonna jump in and give us the entire list. And now here's what's interesting too. Remember, when Paul is writing this list, he's under, he's under arrest. For two years, he's been under arrest. Every single day, he looks at a Roman soldier he understands what he's wearing, and he's using that as an analogy to under, help us understand what we are to put on as we battle the spiritual realm. This is this. Stand firm then, 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. There are seven pieces here of armor that Paul describes for us that you and I every single day should be putting on in our lives. Now, really quick, for some of us, we may say, you know what, Ryan, Um, I I feel maybe under attack or whatever. I just feel like I can't do it. Um, I feel it's too heavy. It's too much. And I need to remind you of what Paul's saying is everything you need is already in Jesus. It's there. What Paul's reminding us is, hey, there's all these pieces here. What I'm asking you to do is as you go out in the life every single day, you are under spiritual attack. Begin to pick up every one of these pieces and begin to put it on. I mean, it would be weird for me to be here standing on this stage without a shirt on. Yes, that would be awkward. The only person that would like it would be my wife, but that's another story. There it is. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if she would like it anyways, but um, it would be awkward if we walk around and we go to work and we're not wearing, you ever had that dream like you went to school or something and you were like, didn't have something on, like those dreams? That's weird. Paul said, he said, hey, everything you need is already in Jesus. Look what he says at the beginning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, what's that one word? His mighty power. Not your mighty power. You can't do it. It's in his mighty power, his strength, his authority inside of you. But you got to put it on. You put on the full armor of God so that you can take the stand against the devil's schemes. I love this word schemes here. It literally means um, like the, the game plan. It's, it's the road. It's the method he attacks. I want to remind you, if you want to take spiritual steps in life and journey with Jesus, if you decide for a moment, you know what, I, I really feel like I, I, need, I need to start tithing, you're going to be under attack. If you really feel like in the midst of, of all of it, you know, I, I'm going to sign up for a life group and we're going to get into a Bible study, we're going to go over the book of Ephesians, I feel like I'm going to do it for the first time and you're going to jump in, just prepare yourself, you're going to be spiritually attacked. Now you may be saying, that's exactly why, Ryan, I do nothing. It's right there. Wrong attitude. Wrong attitude. When you decide I'm going to grab my spouse's hand and we're going to start praying, you're going to be under attack. And friends, can I say, when I, I truly believe this. I think when we're back together, there's some of us are going to be spiritually attacked. You're going to be spiritually attacked when we're back together. We have to be prepared. And I love what Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says this, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're more. Turn to your other favorite neighbor and tell them, you're even more of the more. There you go. Hey, here's, here's a side, really cool side Bible cool thing. Um, they didn't, in the Greek, they didn't even have a word for conquerors. Like Paul's sitting there writing, trying to figure out what I can call people who follow Jesus. What is that word 
And that's where he, he kind of creates this Greek word for us, that we are more than conquerors. So our entire series, we're going to try to figure out in our life, how do we put on every single piece, every single piece of the full armor of God? Because again, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're going to learn that everything already, everything you need is already in Jesus. We just got to begin to pick up these pieces every single day and put it on. What does it look like, what we're going to do with the first piece? What does that look like to always put that one on? What does it always look like to put on the shield? What does it always look like, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation? What does that all look like? And that's what we're going to unpack. That's what this series is about. So we're going to jump in. Here we go. Get ready. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done so, after you have done everything to stand. Here's this first piece. Are you ready? This is what today's all about. Stand firm then with the, can we say these three words together? With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So the very first piece of armor Paul is telling us to put on is the belt of truth. Now, I know you may be sitting there going, like me, that's not a really cool piece of armor, right? Like, can we start with the sword? I want the sword or at least the shield, right? Because the shield's kind of cool. You know what the shield says? You know, the shield, I'm not going to take anything away from the shield message, but the shield is the only weapon that Paul describes of what's actually coming at us. No other armor of God does it say what's coming at us. That is the only weapon that says flaming arrows are coming at you. Isn't that interesting? Side note. Belt of truth. So, <laughs> the question becomes, why is this so important? We're going to look at this. The belt of truth. Why is this so important? Why is the belt? We all know, and many of us probably wear a belt right now. We probably got a belt on, but it holds everything up, right? So why really, Paul, begin with the belt of truth, because if you don't have a belt, you've got pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. See that? That's why he starts, because that would be weird. So he starts with the armor of God with a belt. Now, okay, in reality, why start here? Again, Paul sees a Roman soldier every day. He's got his gear up. It's the first piece of of, of the Roman soldier's um, armor that he puts on is the belt every day because the belt holds all the other pieces in place. The belt is girded right here and it's put on. It's like a weightlifting belt. Like that's how thick it is. That thick, huge leather thing that they put on and it holds up 70 pounds of armor. But it's the very first thing a Roman soldier puts because it's the foundational support of the entire armor. And here's three thoughts real quick that I'm going to jump into if you're a note taker. Three thoughts of why we have to harness this thing first. Number one, because God's truth is your core support. God's truth is your core support. Dave Taylor, what is, one of the, what is the number one thing you tell me when I get hurt in running that I got to do? Work on my core. And what do I tell you every time? Oh, because I don't say anything because I don't want to work on my core. That's right. But the key to a healthy runner is to work on the core. Mr. Dave Taylor is, is a runner, and that's one of his post-race uh, or post-runs exercises, and pre and post. He doubles it, friends. He's there. 
but he works on his core. God's truth is your core support. Hear me, in a culture of compromise, we will fall over and over if we do not have God's truth as your core support. We live in, a, we live in the culture of compromise. And I think it's so key, especially in the day and age that we live in right here, that we put on the belt of truth every single morning. How, I think there's so many believers in the church, not just, uh, not Radiant Life, the church in general, that don't live with power and authority because they don't know God's truth. They don't know it. So in a culture of compromise, they compromise their values and their morals because there's nothing there supporting their core. That's point number one. God's truth. Why the belt? The belt is like the least sexiest part of the armor of God. Why start there? Because it's the core support. Everything hinges on that in a Roman soldier's outfit. And that's what Paul's saying. We got to put, this is a spiritual battle. You got targets. Your core support's got to be God's truth. Here's, here's something. Here's the second point. What is truth then? Truth is God's opinion on any matter. Let that sink in. Truth is God's opinion on any matter. Often we let our feelings drive us, don't we? We don't get to decide this or that or is this right or that right just because our feelings are saying this or that. We don't even get to allow our parents' feelings or opinions or our friends or our our spouses. We don't even allow Fox News' opinions or CNN's opinions to sway us. No, God's truth is our core support and it is God's opinion on any matter. Any matter. And here's where the enemy attacks us a little bit. These are three lies that I think, especially in America, we love to buy into. Three lies that we love. First is this, everyone has their own truth. We live in a culture of compromise that literally says, hey, there's no absolute truth. There's none. What's your basis? If it makes you feel happy, well, then it's got to be true. It's got to be good for you. It makes you happy, led by feelings again. And feelings will come like waves of an ocean. They'll crash and they'll recede. And we're basing decisions all on those. Did you know, um, statistically, and I think, uh, I think a couple years ago, one of you two had a message on this, that um, millennials, so this study did 1984 to 2002 millennials, only 4% hold a biblical worldview now. What this also means in life is that there are a lot of people who don't believe in a God, who don't believe in a Jesus. Heaven and hell are not realities. The devil is not real. What are you even doing a series based on spiritual warfare and tactics? Why are you talking about this? This is all fictitious anyways. It's scary. And we got to get to the truth. God's truth. God's opinion on any matter. Here's the second lie that we love to buy into. You do you. You do you. What makes you happy, go for it. Just do it. Because again, if it doesn't make you happy, then it's, then it's wrong. But if it makes you happy, even though biblically it is wrong and God literally calls it sin, but if it makes you happy, it's got to be good, then do it. You do you. And this is easy because there's no absolute truth, so why does it matter? You do you. Go ahead. Here's the third one. All roads lead to God. I think that's really what we're facing today in America. 
I'm sorry, but there's a difference between God and Allah and Vishnu and whatever everyone else wants to call their God. Whatever it is, there is a difference. And, John, and in John, this is what Jesus says, I am the way and the what, friends? I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is what separated Jesus. This is why people hated Jesus. Oh, wait, you're telling me the only way to get to God is through you, Jesus. Yes, I am. It is not Allah, it is not Vishnu, it is not you thinking that just being out in nature is, oh, it's all, we're all one spiritual. No. Stop with spirituality and get in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's got to be there. It's the foundational piece of our faith. And there are lies out there. Why do we believe in those three lies? Here's the third point because the devil deals in deception, he's tricky. He wants to deceive you and trick you. Did, it happened in the garden. Adam and Eve, did God really say, let me deceive you? And it happens to us. Is that really a sin? Is that really going to hurt you? Just cross the line. Go ahead. You're, you're fine. Hey, no one's going to find out anyways. Just do it. Just do it. Here's what Jesus says about the devil. This is him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil deals with deception. He wants to shade it enough to you believe that's almost truth, but it's not. I love a Charles Spurgeon quote on this. Um, he was just a, a pastor, a theologian, and here's what he says. In, in the spiritual warfare prayer, he says this, Lord, help me tell the difference, not just between right and wrong, but between right and almost right. Because deception can be so small, it looks almost right. And that's what the devil deals in. No wonder why you start backing this whole thing up. No wonder why Paul's sitting there going, put the belt of truth on. Truth, because the enemy of your soul is the father of lies, and he's going to deceive you. I don't know how many of you like fashion. You're looking good, Caleb. I, I like the black skinny jeans, the white shoes. You've got good fashion rolling to, today. Good job. <laughs> Anyone else like fashion? Fashion over here? Uh, <laughs> Dave looks like he's got sauces. He's like, fashion, what are you talking about? Who likes fashion? I will say, Ian's been with us. How long has Ian been with us? Like four years? Ian's got to like fashion because that kid has had so many different hairstyles and hair colors up on this stage. He's got to like fashion. Well, TLC does this show called What Not to Wear. I don't know how many of you have seen it, but uh, here's a little picture of it. Uh, what Not to Wear is a person comes in, they don't realize they actually look ridiculous. Uh, so friends and family members turn them in. And here's a picture. Like you just, <laughs> This is the host, but he's showing an example. You don't wear this. You don't wear a, a blazer or a sports jacket with a checkered shirt and camo cargo shorts. Like, that is a fashion faux pas right there. But the problem and the main reason of the show, the problem is so many people think, I look good. And so what the, what the two hosts do is uh, after your family and your friends turn you into the fashion police, they take you into a room that's full of mirrors. So you can finally begin to see yourself. And realize, okay, I actually may look a little ridiculous. Mirrors everywhere. 
Now, if this is your normal outfit, I am, I, I apologize, just wear it, rock it, girl, all right? Here's the thing. If that's your normal outfit, cross skulls, bandana on your head. But the idea is to allow them to realize you've been deceived and you need to change. I think sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is, hey, hey, I want to wake you up to some truth. You've been deceived. I want to I reveal something to your eyes all along. You've been deceived. You need to wake up and stop believing that almost right thing. Here's the third point is this, that truth is a person, and that person is Jesus. And friends, on the other side of the screen, every man and every woman will have this decision to face in their life. Will I accept this truth or not? And the enemy of your soul, the deceiver, the father of lies, will do everything in his power to trip you up that you won't believe this. So how does this really play out? How does this play out when I get into my car and drive to work? How does the belt of truth play out in a dating relationship? How does it play out um, on my job? Well, um, how many of you like the King James version? You're a King, you're a New King James. You used to be. Oh, all right. Uh, many of you love the translation of King James. Well, um, this is actually the original, what it says uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 about the belt of truth. It says this, gird up your loins with truth. Gird up your loins with truth. So we look at it and say, no, I'm good, Ryan. Let's just put the belt of truth around my waist. Buckle it up. Like, we understand that. Gird up your loins. Well, I want to give you a quick example of what this looks like. So, Mr. Dave Taylor, will you come up here? Uh, for me? No, you're, you're, my, you're my. I have what um, someone would have maybe worn back to, a, a tunic. Will you put this tunic on? Uh, I'm not going to help you, but uh, as DT, as we call him, puts on the tunic, uh, in the ancient world they would then put on a tunic, but have this huge kind of a belt. And so I've got, I didn't know who was actually going to be up here, so I got a belt that I could easily do a very wide person and a very skinny person. Okay? Um, Oh, wide. Uh, so we're going to pretend this is an ancient belt, okay? You got your tunic, and here's the whole idea of girding up your loins with truth. <laughs> you look cute. Thank you. All right, um, I'm going I'm to put this belt on you. Okay, so there's the belt, and you kind of look like an ancient person. Um, so here's what happens, Dave. Girding up your loins, you're going to gather all the material from the sides and kind of bunch it all together in the middle. Yeah. Take that and bunch it all together in the middle, okay? And just for appropriate sake, I won't make him do the entire thing. Um, we're going to do a shorter version. But in the ancient world, what you would do is you would then pull all of that in between your legs. You would grab it and then tuck it all in. But for time's sake and appropriateness sake, we're just going to take this and tuck it in the belt. We're just going to play it the front way. That's, that's just safer. That's great. Now, if you, do you get it? I got it. Okay, good. Now, if you notice, this is, this, this is a little short tunic on you. You're a big guy. A tunic would be very long but very restrictive. And so the idea was to gird up your loins is that so now you have a little more freedom to move and go somewhere. A lot of times, this is how men would fight. They would have to gird up their loins in order, like if you and I were to wrestle, we would gird up our loins. <laughs> uh, we, we would do that. So stay here. 
Now let's take that ancient thought and apply it to today. You're dating. And um, you're a believer. But uh, the person that you're dating, he or she, man, she's, a, she's an awesome girl. He's a great guy. Um, dude, you got to meet him. Like, incredible person, which is great. But remember, you're a believer. And the one issue, they're not. They're not a believer. But you've, your movement was restricted. You have now girded your loins into the belt of truth to help you make a decision. And then you remember truth because you're in God's word. You understand truth. As you remember this verse in 2 Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And now you know that decision and you can go, you're right. I don't know if I should be in this relationship or not. Because I have girded up my loins in my movement where I know where God's word will take me and I will go that route. This dating relationship is not good. Here's another. You're a great model, by the way. Another thing. Um, you're getting a job offer. Like, the pay is out of this world. And you're really wrestling in your heart, do I take it, do I not? And the really reason why you're attracted to it is because of the pay. But you've girded up your loins in truth. The belt of truth is there, and you realize, ha, Second Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But because you've girded your loins in truth, you now have more clarity on what decision to make. You realize that job offer only looked attracted because I was attracted to the money. And I've got the peace of God and I know I've girded myself in his truth that that's not the way I'm going to go this way. Movement. Here's the last. Um, gossip's fun. Not really. Or unwholesome talk coming out of a person's mouth, slandering people. Um, did you guys know that you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit? Um, you can do two things to the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit and you can grieve the Holy Spirit. What's interesting about this verse is the verse right before it. So you're at work and um, there's a group over there by like Rosico. They're at the water cooler and um, they're gossiping. And you're slightly attracted to it. You may just be like, oh, yeah, because I don't like that person either. I may want to, do I go into that circle and gossip or not? But you've girded yourself in truth. And so now you know that the Holy Spirit reminds you of this verse. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. So your decision, I've girded myself in truth. I know I don't have to go there, even though I want. I'm reminded of the truth of God's word. and Let no unwholesome talk come out of my mouth. I'm going to go this way. It allows movement. You may sit down. Keep that on. No, you need to keep that on. You look good. So as I close, it's the belt of truth. Every day, every single day, we got to put this on. It's the first piece we pick up. So my encouragement for all of us on this stage and all of us watching is for the next week, I want you to do a little trial. Would you gird up the next week? The first thing that you do in the morning before you go make any decisions, gird up. 
Get into God's word. Get into his truth every single day. Get in the presence of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to speak truth into you every day so that you can be fully girded up. And when that decision comes, am I being deceived? Is it almost right or is it right? And now I know. I know I can move freely now because I'm girded up. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, would you help us dive into your truth more? The belt is there for a reason. It's the first piece of armor we're to put on. So Father, this next coming week, for some of us, this is going to be the easiest task ever. You're like, man, I'm excited. Yeah, seven days, I'm going to gird up. I'm going to get into God's truth. For others of us, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know the first thing. I don't even own a Bible. I don't even know where to start. God, I just pray that you would speak to those individuals right now. Holy Spirit, encourage them. Holy Spirit, breathe life into them in this moment. And may we, the foundational peace, the first thing, may we gird up. May we get into your word. And may your word, your truth, be our core support on everything. And we pray this in Jesus' name.